0: We'll be in Hebrews 11 tonight, as well as Genesis chapter 5, as we consider what the Bible has to say about Enoch. And I'm thankful our church is under attack. Isn't that good? I mean, somebody said the devil doesn't kick a dead horse, so praise God for that. We must be uh, aggravating somebody on the other side of the fence. (laughs) On Sunday nights this year, we have focused on our theme, Believe to See. I've decided as we are going to be closing out this year soon to draw out some thoughts from Hebrews chapter 11. We are rapidly approaching our 41st anniversary and... That means something out here. That may not mean a whole lot from where I come from. First church I preached in, the Civil War troops slept in there. Union and Confederate troops slept together at night, and then they went out and fought each other. And uh, built in 1835. So you may hear 41 years and think, that's not that long. Well, out here it is. Amen. So let's praise God for that. Before we know it, we'll be on to a whole other theme. (laughs) Last week we focused on verse 4 where we saw how Abel worshipped by faith. The object of our worship must be Christ and on God's terms. We won't be accepted by God by going to Him on our terms on the basis of what we have done. But our offering will only be accepted on the merits of Christ and His blood. And For tonight, I'd like for us to read verses 5 and 6 from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we saw Abel worshipped by faith. We see tonight that Enoch walked by faith as a result of Enoch's walking by faith, he never tasted death. How would you like that? He was translated that he should not see death. Being translated means that God transported him or carried him over to the other side. And we'll see in just a moment in Genesis 5, it says that God took him. There's only one other man in the Bible who didn't go to heaven through death. and That was Elijah. When the chariot of fire and the horses of fire divided Elisha and Elijah asunder, and Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. And I mentioned this early to get this out of the way now, because someone is probably thinking about it. But because Enoch and Elijah never died, there's a pretty popular thought that Those two men will be the two witnesses we read about in Revelation 11. They feel because they never died they have to come back and die because Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man wants to die. But the reason I'm not dogmatic on who the two witnesses are is because the Bible doesn't say. That's really enough right there. But I was talking to somebody I really respect one day and he said it's got to be Enoch and Elijah because they have to die. I said, really, do you believe in the rapture? And you you can see him starting to process it. And he said, well, that's a good point. So we believe in the rapture, and not all of us are going to die. There may be millions who never have to die. I don't know. Jesus said, will I find faith on the earth? But I would say as of now, there would be quite a bit of people that would be in glory. But listen, it doesn't bother me one bit if you think it's Elijah and Enoch. I really don't care. I don't care who you think it is, so long as you don't think it's somebody that's ungodly. Because they will have an understanding of the Word of God. say, why do you say that? Well, I discovered that there's a group of people that believe that it might be the Smith brothers from the Mormon church that will be the two witnesses. Wrong. So I will not back you on that, but if you want to think it's Brother DeGarmo and, you know, who? Brother Long? (laughs) Brother Long looks way too cool to be one of the two witnesses. I mean, um, if Brother Long comes back, he'll be in a hot rod or something. (laughs) Yeah, he'll have the fiery chariot. You're the one that wants it with dual glass packs. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could get my car fixed that has dual glass packs on it, and you could hear just how loud it is. I felt so bad in North Dakota, I had a brief at like 2 in the morning, so I had to get up at like 1, and it was my daily driver, and I'd get out there and crank it up. And this poor girl who lived next to us, we were in a duplex on base, She would look out her window every night and I'd just be like, (laughs) Um, anyway, don't worry, it's not running. Anyway, it doesn't bother me who you think they are. So with that out of the way, we see in our text the reason given for Enoch never dying is because he had this testimony that he pleased God. We know Enoch pleased God because he lived by faith. Because verse 6 goes on to say, but without faith it is impossible to please him. It's not a mistake that the end of verse 5 ends with. He had this testimony that he pleased God, and then immediately we read in verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. So we know he pleased God because he had a life of faith. He walked by faith. He walked with God. God is always pleased with his children when they walk by faith. And this is really what our desire is when we use the term believing to see is that we would walk by faith and thereby we would please the Lord. And honestly, in a year like this, what else can you do but just keep pressing on by faith? And believe it or not, it's actually a great place to be in because we have no other choice but to live by faith. God orchestrates circumstances in our life and God orchestrates circumstances in churches where we have a decision to make if we're going to keep walking with the Lord or throw in the towel. And like David in our theme verse, it may be tempting to faint. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So we just need to keep pressing on through the circumstances. And I want you to go to Genesis 5 with me, please. And let's see what the Bible says about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. We'll read verses 19 through 24. And Jared, I just realized Jared's here tonight. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years, begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and 2, and he died. Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Now, Enoch is a very interesting man in our Bible. There's not much said about him. He's only mentioned in a total of nine verses. Out of those nine verses, one of them just mentions that he was born. One is how long his dad lived after he was born. One is how long Enoch lived before he had a child. One is how long Enoch lived altogether. And one is just an honorable mention in the genealogy, I think, in Luke. That means there's only four verses that speak about Enoch. And yet, how well known is he? He's widely known for his testimony that he walked with God. And I would say that Enoch's walk with God is far more defining than the fact that he never died. And I say that because God can translate anybody He wants. But the reason He translated Enoch was because Enoch... Walk was so pleasing to God. In fact, Enoch's walk was so unique that the Holy Spirit had the penmen here write about Enoch differently than all the rest mentioned in chapter 5. We're not going to read it all. I'll just quickly mention we read that Seth lived after he begat Enos. Canaan lived after he begat Mahalileo. That's about as good as I can do on that. If he was around today, I'd call him Mahala. (laughs) Mahalalil lived after he begat Jared. Jared lived after he begat Enoch. Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah. The Bible doesn't say that about Enoch. The Bible doesn't say that he lived after he begat Methuselah. Instead, it says, Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. Enoch's life was so defined by his walk with his God that Enoch did not walk after his God, but he walked with his God. Many people will live this life only to themselves, but a few will really walk with God. Just think about all the people you've come in contact with in your life. Not how many you know, but how many you've been acquainted with over the years. How many of them would you define their life because of their walk with God? Probably not many. We should all desire to have said about us what the Bible says of Enoch. Yeah. That we had this testimony that we pleased God by walking with Him by faith. And our walk should always be us drawing closer to God so that when the day comes that we cross over into glory, it's really just a seamless transition. Some of you are going to be very shocked when you get to heaven. You're actually going to be singing out loud instead of muttering the words to the hymn. Amen. Some of us introverts are going to be It's going to be crowded. You think God's concerned about how big the church is up there? (laughs) We might as well learn to walk with God as close as we can now so that when we do draw our last breath, it's not much of a transition when we go over. So what is it we can learn from Enoch's life to help us with our walk with God? Well, I think first of all, we need to consider the day in which Enoch lived. Mankind spiraled quickly out of control after the fall of mankind. We saw it a little bit last week when we saw Cain rose up against his brother Abel and he killed him. There's always been a heated battle between the wicked of this world and the righteous. We know Enoch fathered Methuselah. Methuselah was the grandfather of Noah. And to our knowledge, Methuselah is the oldest man to ever live. He lived to the ripe old age of 969. And he lived all the way until the great flood began. Just a quick side note here. There's a great message in the meaning of the first ten men from Adam on the first ten. If you look at the meaning of their names, some believe, myself included, there's a message that's preached through the meaning of their names. In fact, I believe Methuselah's name is prophetic of the flood. I'm not going to get into that tonight, but you can go and study that. It's a great study. And something, this is why there was special mention made in verse 22 that Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. And the thought is that while Enoch may have walked with God beforehand, the naming of his first son, Methuselah, which again, if you study it, I'll just give you a little teaser, it, it it clearly points to this breaking forth that took place when God broke forth the fountains of the deep and flooded this earth. And because he named his son Methuselah, that Enoch had become aware of some things concerning God's intentions on how he was going to deal with wickedness in the world and As a result, Enoch's walk with God intensified just a little bit more after that. We could easily make the application in our day that for a lot of us, when we started having children, we started walking with God just a little bit more closely. Amen. Because we were no longer living for ourselves. Well, that's neither here nor there. But back in the day in which Enoch lived, we see that Enoch was 365 years old. Is that when he departed or is that when he fathered Methuselah? He was 65 years when he begat Methuselah. Methuselah lived 969 years. He died just before the flood. We know that Enoch was only 604 years away from the destruction of the world when God took him home to heaven because he was 365 years of age. I'm going somewhere with this, amen. The Bible tells us that God was going to destroy mankind from off of the earth 120 years before he did so, because God was giving mankind a a chance to repent. And if we subtract those 120 years from the time God said he had enough of mankind's wickedness, Enoch was only 484 years away from the destruction of the world when God took him. And since men were living over 900 years, 480 years, 484 years would have been well within a person's lifespan. Now, this is just the way my mind works. You can call it dog years if you want. But just a gee whiz way of thinking about this, if people were living over 900 years then, and if we consider that the average lifespan today in America is 78 years, then let's assume their 900 years is like our 80 years. That's the equivalent of 11.25 years for every one of their 100 years of life. Because I'm sure they got used to people living old. So what does that have anything to do with? In our age equivalent, our way of processing time, at least the way I was trying to look at this, to think how close was Enoch to the great flood? Then Enoch was taken by God only 43 years away from the flood if we look at it that way. And, and I'm just trying to establish that Enoch was living relatively close to God destroying the world. When God took him home, there was already wickedness abounding. And when we consider how long-suffering God is, and when we consider that men were living so long before the flood, Enoch wasn't that far away from the wrath of God when he was translated out of here. And my point is this. Enoch was living in a day of great wickedness. Enoch would have known Adam. There had already been nearly a thousand years of building up of wickedness since Cain slew Abel. They were on the downhill slide is what I'm saying. They were headed for destruction. I believe Enoch knew it because of the name of Methuselah. But they were heading that way And what does the Bible say about the world before God destroyed it? Genesis 6-5 says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it had gotten so bad that only Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. only him and his wife, his three sons and their wives were in the ark. And of all humanity, eight souls were spared. So I don't believe I would be out of line to say that Enoch walked with with God in a day when great wickedness was running rampant throughout the earth. It was during a time when all manner of evil was being imagined and no doubt acted upon. And just think about this, as we think about a man who was walking so close with God, the law had not been given. The church had not been established. He had no refuge upon this earth in that sense. And yet, while surrounded by all manner of wickedness and without a Bible and without a church, Enoch's testimony was that he was pleasing God by walking by faith with his God. Speaking of Enoch being aware of some things, we also learn from the book of Jude that Enoch was a prophet and a preacher. During these days of wickedness, What was his message? Jude verses 14 and 15, we read this. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He preached about the coming day of judgment. All the way back there. And no doubt the message of God's coming judgment wasn't well received in such a day of wickedness. Nobody wanted to hear it. Essentially, everybody would have been doing that which was right in their own eyes. And because of the judgment of God and the wrath of God in the days of Noah, we can deduce that the message that Enoch preached was not received. But Enoch was faithful to preach for at least 300 years. This extraordinary walk with God by Enoch was taking place in a day when the vast majority of people hated the things of God. They hated the message of God. And they no doubt hated those who dared to walk with God by faith. But what's interesting over there in the book of Hebrews, it says says, he was found not... I'm sure they didn't like him, but they sure were curious where he went, weren't they? Why were they searching for him, I wonder? And we look at our day and we can recognize it's a time of increasing evil. But it's not as bad now as it was back then. Amen. It's not that bad now. Oh, we might have to put on a mask. We're so persecuted. Listen now, we're not living in a city that's so wicked that if we come and visit a friend that there's men pounding down the door and say, would you bring him out here so we can know him? It's been way worse. But we can recognize it's becoming more and more evil. But Enoch's example proves to us that no matter how wicked the culture may get, no matter how much sin abounds, it is possible to live a life that is pleasing to God. Amen. Yeah. Now, what does it mean to walk with God by faith? Well, Justin DeGarmo did a good job this morning in Sunday school talking about a person's walk. So I won't do it as well, but a person's walk is their way of life. Your walk can identify you in all kinds of ways, really. We would say tonight that we are all made up from of people from all walks of life. Brother Furz and I were talking before service, and he said, What a great testimony of the two that were baptized this morning. Two different ends of the spectrum. We're from all different walks of life. We have different backgrounds, different upbringings, different jobs, different careers. But we also understand that while we are made up of all different walks of life physically, as children of God, we are tied together by our walk spiritually. Amen. We have a life hid with Christ in God. And it's supposed to become our way of life. So how can we walk with God? Well, in Amos 3.3, God asks the question, Can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. There's enough marriages that are struggling that can tell you that. Therefore, to walk with God means Enoch agreed with God. And obviously, if we say we're walking with God, then what we are testifying to is we agree with God. We agree with His Word. If we're going to walk by faith, then we're going to have to agree with Him. And there's way too many things to list. But it all starts with believing God's Word it's God's word which guides our faith. But I am amazed at those who profess to be believers, but will also admit that there's portions of God's word that they disagree with. There are those who deny the miracles of the Bible and yet they say they believe in the miracle of the new birth. There are those who profess faith in God's word and yet they deny the creation account given in Genesis 1. Isn't that amazing? There are people that will actually, when they're surveyed, will tell you, yes, I believe in God, and yet I believe that we evolved. I could give you example after example of what I'm talking about, but agreeing with God is more than just agreeing with His Word. Now, what I mean by that is we may agree on heaven and hell, we may agree on the way of salvation, we may agree in creation and et cetera. Et cetera. We may agree in all these things, but do we agree with how God chooses to work in our life? You're going to have to trust and agree with God's timing about the death of a loved one. You're going to have to trust and agree with God when things don't turn out how you wanted them to. And I mention those two areas because they're a major struggle for many people. And their walk with God is broken because they're not agreeing with God. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Agreed. Enoch walked with God. Amen. Many disagree with God when life gets uncomfortable or when it gets painful or it's just too difficult to know what is exactly going on and how God is working in our life. But can two walk together except they be agreed? Listen, things won't always go according to how you planned. See also 2020. God will allow circumstances into your life that will put your faith to the test. There's there's going to be times of confusion. We understand that. I'm not saying you're not going to have moments of great concern about what's going on. But are you able to agree with God and say, not my will, but thine be done. So I would ask you tonight, is there an area that you've gotten sideways with God about? Well, I don't like the parents that God gave me. Sorry, that's how God's working in your life right now. And listen, it can get really uncomfortable fast when we think about how much pain kids are going through in some situations. So, boy, I wish my cupboards were more full. That's how God is choosing to work in your life right now. You pick the scenario, whether it be finances, whatever. See, I don't like it. Can two walk together except they be agreed? You have to walk by faith. You have to trust God. You have to say, this is just how God's working in me right now. Some of that you may have brought upon yourself. I don't know. But I I can tell you, I, I know I'm not old. But I've been walking with God now for many years. And I can tell you, looking back over the last 20, and I could go back as far as 31 now, and I can tell you that when you look back over time, you see how God meant it all for good. God means it all for good. See, I don't like it. I know. I know. So is there an area that you're upset with God about? Is there something you are disagreeing with God about? We have to learn to agree with God in all areas of our life. So when we are walking with God by faith, we are walking in agreement with God. We are trusting God in His ways. We are letting God have complete control of us. Now, I want to use verse 24 to talk about what it looks like when somebody is walking by faith. Would you notice there in Genesis 5, 24... And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, we know literally what this means is that God took Enoch home to heaven. He was no longer upon this earth. But if you think about it, by way of application, we can use this verse to show that when we walk with God, get this now, when we walk with God, we are no more. Because God has taken over. That is good. As you grow in your walk with God, you begin to fade away. If Brother Furz was up here right now, he would say, Tom Furz died 1978, whenever you got born again. He would say, Tom Furz died December seventeenth, nineteen 1973. How many of you remember him preaching that? You know what he's saying? It's not about me no more. Anymore. In other words, it was no longer about Brother First, but Tom's walk with God caused him to no longer exist. That's how you can walk away from a lucrative position late in life, go off to Bible college and serve the Lord. Amen. And I know you would follow it up with this verse, but the Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, Paul no longer lived because he had crucified the flesh and the lust thereof. And now Christ was living in him. And the Paul which they saw walking around was only a demonstration of the will of God for his life. They were seeing God's will and they were seeing Christ. And the life he lived after salvation, he lived by the faith of the Son of God because Christ is worthy. Christ gave His life for him. That's why he could write in Colossians 3, 2 and 3, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? For ye are dead. For ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. You can tell whether or not you're walking with God by faith by where you're setting your affection. If you're walking with God to the point where you are no longer seen, you will seek those things which are above. You will set your course to whatever God has planned for your life. When you walk with God, you are not. I don't ever want to sound like serving the God as some kind of sacrifice because it's the greatest thing you can do. But listen, I know what I'm talking about because God's going to bring some of you to a decision point where you have to say whether or not you're willing to give that up which you never wanted to get rid of. And God is saying, are you going to walk with me and not be? Or is it still going to be about you? When you walk with God and you are not, you forsake your dreams and your ambitions. God takes over your life, you stop pursuing your will. and You seek God's will. Amen. When you walk with God, you yield yourself completely to Him by dying to self. Amen. We not only die to self, but we're also to be dead to this world. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And we'll see later on in Hebrews 11 that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And the reason we fade away when we're walking with God and pleasing Him is because Christ becomes all we need. He becomes our portion. When we walk with God by faith, we seek for His guidance. We obey His word and His commands. We Long to be in His presence. Our eyes stayed, are stayed upon God and his, de- his glory is the desire of our life. Matthew Henry wrote, The business of Enoch's life, his constant care and work, while others lived to themselves in the world, he lived to God. It was the joy and support of his life. Communion with God was to him better than life itself. He had rather be in fellowship with God more than anything else. So, are you walking by faith? Are you in agreement with God in all areas? Yeah, pretty much. No, no, no. What is that, pretty much? What's that one room you have over here that's locked? Are you walking by faith? Are you in in agreement with God in everything? Because the two of you cannot walk together except you be agreed. And I'll promise you, He's not going to capitulate to what you want to be agreed on. Is your life pleasing to God? Jesus said in John 6, 29, I do always those things that please the Father. And Jesus was always about his father's business from the age of 12 on. If we were to ask those closest to you tonight, what would be your testimony from their lips? I mean, this just jumped out at me. We read that Enoch, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. You see, many people will brag on those after they die. You know, he really was a good man. And you couldn't stand them, really. It's amazing. They never come to church, and we put a suit on them and drag them into church and stick them up here up front. Anyway, I'm not going to shift into Oliver B. Green mode. But many people, they're talked about very highly after they pass. But before Enoch left this earth, his testimony was that he pleased God. (laughs) Have you surrendered your life to God's will? can God do with you as He sees fit and you be okay with it? If you're going to please God by walking by faith with Him, then God must have every bit of who you are. Every bit. Are you walking with God to the point that you are not? Because God has so taken over your life, you're not even recognizable. There's none of you left. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And so my challenge tonight is let's walk by faith. Because without faith it's impossible to please him. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we're going to believe to see, we must walk by faith. We must no longer be, and it must be all about him. Let's pray.